Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you. You know what I love about that song? Is that one phrase in there. Victory. There will be victory. And let me tell you something. There will be victory now. It begins now. I don't care what you're facing in this life. No matter if it's a a problem in your marriage, in your home, in your finances, your health, your children, there's victory now. Say that with me. Victory now. No, no, say it again. Victory now. In Jesus' name. He is the God of breakthrough, isn't he? Oh, thank you, Jesus. He's the one that makes all the difference in the world. You can be seated this morning. Praise God. God is so good to us. Amen. He is so good to us. I love that song. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I love the way that song starts, too. It's honest. The older I get, the more I appreciate honesty. How about you? (laughs) I've lived enough life to know that the hype doesn't always match reality. And I like being honest. And there's two things that I've come to the conclusion of, is that sometimes life can be difficult, number one. But number two, which is even greater, is that God is always bigger than this life. Can you say amen? He is more than enough. He is more than enough. He is more than enough. Well, I'll tell you this morning, I am excited about what God is doing. I'm excited about coming into this new year because I believe this morning this is going to be a great year. I I believe as a body of believers, as a church, this is going to be a great year for us. And I believe as individuals, this is going to be a great year. I believe God's doing something. Um, There's something of God's sovereignty that's at work. Amen. God's going to move because he's God. Amen. And he's going to touch lives. He's going to change people. He's going to heal. Uh, Well, you know, sometimes, you know, we say it in those terms because that helps us to understand it. But let me me put it in terms the way God says it. I've already healed. Amen. Amen. I've already provided. I've already made the way. What's going to really happen is we're going to begin to experience what he's already done. Can you say amen to that? I believe that, and I believe we're going to walk in that. I, uh, um, I, like I said, I'm very excited about today. I'm very excited about launching into this sermon series that we're going to do. This is a series <coughs> that I've put together to introduce our theme for the year. As you came into the sanctuary, you probably noticed the new banner that's up. Uh, one word, rooted. And uh, you say, what's that all about? That's our theme for this year. Um, that we need to be rooted. How many know what I'm talking about? Uh, You say, no, I don't. Well, good. You're in the right place because I'm going to tell you what I'm talking about. (laughs) Amen. And uh, I believe God's got something for us. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at two passages of Scripture today for today. These passages of Scripture will serve as a 
a launching pad, but as we get through and develop the series, it will become more evident of what we're talking about in those uh, verses, in those uh, passages of Scripture. Uh, there's a lot in it. It's, uh, there's a lot in these passages uh, for us that's relevant to us today. And so the first one, turn your Bibles to Psalm chapter 1, and we'll get to that here in just a second, and then also Jeremiah 17. Psalm 1, and then Jeremiah 17. Um, one of the things that I, I kind of, after, after ministering this message in the first service, I, I want you to know that this, there's, there's a lot in this today. Uh, I, I, I didn't realize um, sometimes I have a tendency to put a lot in stuff. And now, you know, it's, my dad used to always tell me, you can't feed them the whole bale of hay at once. You know, you, you know, take, take, take it in, in, you know, steps. And, but we'll, uh, as, like I said, as we go through the series, we'll continue to unpack this and, and, and make this, uh, uh, um, more, more and more clear as we go. So Psalm chapter one, starting in verse one, <coughs> the Bible says this, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper." Now, there's a corresponding passage of Scripture uh, in Jeremiah 17, and I want you to listen to this starting in verse 7 and 8. It says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. These are such powerful passages of Scripture because they reveal something to us of God's intention for our life. God intends that we would be the planting of the Lord. Can you say amen? That we would be planted, and, and if we're planted... The, the, the assumption is and the understanding is that we are rooted. There's something about roots that we need to pay attention to. And that's what this is all about. And this is the whole thing that I believe God is communicating. What I love about these passages of Scripture is both of them tell us that because there is the planting by the rivers of water <coughs> or the streams of water that these roots go out. And I love the way Jeremiah, he says, they will not fear when heat comes. Has anybody had any heat in their life before? <laughs> you don't have to be afraid of that when you're rooted in God. And he goes on and he said, but its leaf will be green. In, in Psalms, it says your leaf will not wither. And then you won't have to be anxious in the year of drought. How many know that a tree that's planted by a river doesn't even know a drought exists? Amen. I, you know, and, and one of the things that I love about the Word of God is making connections. 
And you know, the Bible talks about in John, it says, out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water. How many know that from within us, from within the, the, the relationship that we have with God, within this connection with God, there's a river that flows? Amen. Uh, the prophet, he talks about it in the Old Testament. Uh, he talks about a river that flows from the throne. And, and as it flows out, out underneath the door, it's very thin and it's very shallow. But then he talks about how that the further it gets down the road, the deeper, the wider, and the more intense it becomes. But the one thing that I love about this picture and this analogy is everywhere the river goes, there's life. There's healing, there's life. <clears throat> it, it, it's, not just a, um, uh, it's not just another feature in geography. There's an intention about this river. It flows and it accomplishes something. Can you say amen? And this is what he's, he's talking about. And he's talking about you and I being planted by the rivers of water. And I believe this morning that this year is going to be for us corporately as a church and individually as believers in Christ, this is going to be a year of growth. I believe we're going to grow. I, I, believe, I, I honestly believe that we're going to grow numerically. We're going to see that. There's things going to happen. But even more importantly than that, I believe as individual believers, we are going to begin to grow spiritually. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's going to be something that takes place. Now, that means something, and there's some important things that we need to embrace <coughs> in that condition. We need to embrace these. And I want you to listen. I, I don't want you to turn me off here. I want you to listen to this. Because like I said, I'm setting the stage for where God's taking us. Number one, what this means, if this is going to be a year of growth as a church and as believers, then that means growth. That means growth always requires change. Now listen, it doesn't matter if it's a marriage or if it's a career or a child or a family or a business or our spiritual walk in Jesus, if we're going to grow, it means we must change. Are you hearing me? Church, we have to let go of our reluctance to change and we have to embrace it. So as a church, that means a lot of different things. That means things will change. But as believers, and this is what I want to pay more attention to, is as believers, that means there's some things in our life that are going to have to change. We cannot continue to walk the way we've always walked and expect that things are going to be different. That is the definition of insanity, is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. We have to change. The gospel is a gospel of change. There's a lot of people that really, they, you know, I've even been told, don't even talk about change. We have to talk about change. And the reason we have to talk about change is because it's necessary. If when the, the day you stop changing, you start dying. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So that's number one. Number two, at times, both personally and corporately, growth may get a little uncomfortable. See, in today's society, church, comfortable is at a premium. We like being comfortable. 
Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with being comfortable. I like being comfortable. I'm all for it. But if my comfort undermines what God is doing, then somewhere I'm going to have to make a change. Amen? Growth always is uncomfortable. It involves stretching. It involves moving. And it involves accepting things that are new. God said, I'm going to do a new thing. Amen. This was the thing that we saw when Jesus came to the planet, when Jesus was born and he began to walk and he entered into his ministry, Jesus began to turn the world upside down. He began to do everything. He upset the apple cart. <clears throat> That's why the Pharisees didn't like him. They, the, the Pharisees, how many know what I'm talking about? They had, they had a system. They had it down. They knew what they were doing. But Jesus comes and he goes, no, no, you guys got it all wrong. And he begins to turn everything upside down. And they're like, oh, this is uncomfortable. But if we're going to grow, if we're going to bear fruit in the kingdom, then we're going to have to be maybe a little uncomfortable at times. Think about a family. When, how many know that when you have a baby, all the women go, amen. It's a little uncomfortable. Yeah. But the fruit of growth always makes whatever price we paid worth it. Can you say amen? amen. Now, I personally do not know the pain of childbirth. But I do know the joy that came as a result of it. And I know that sometimes it's uncomfortable, but what happens is worth the price we paid. Number three, growth is not automatic. As much as we would like growth to be automatic, growth takes intent. There's decision-making and discipline. We must set ourselves this year to deliberately and intentionally grow. What does that mean for us as individuals? It means that we must train ourselves for growth. <clears throat> we must train ourselves for growth. That's, isn't that the role of every parent? Is that we, we want our children to grow, don't we? So we train them, we raise them up in the way they should go. But sometimes that's hard. It's, it's, it's a little bit difficult. We don't, we don't always want to do that. Sometimes, especially as they get older, we kind of want to, you know, we kind of want to bring them back in. We don't want them to express themselves or to move into whether... I, I, I had this revelation the other day at the airport. My daughter's getting ready to, to go uh, back to Reading, and she's uh, getting on an airplane in Las Vegas, and the airplane is delayed. So it's delayed, I don't know, it's delayed like 45 minutes and, and it was, you know, coming down to the wire to where it's possible she could miss her connecting flight in San Francisco. Well, the problem with that is that was the last flight out of San Francisco to Reading and that meant she would have to stay all night in the airport in San Francisco. And so it's starting to freak me out. I'm, I'm getting a little neurotic and I know that's probably hard for you to believe, but I'm wanting to take over at this moment. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, well, okay, we'll just drive her to Reading. That's it. That's it. We're going. I told Kathy, I said, here's worst case scenario. We're just, we're going to Reading tonight. We're driving. I said, look, it's just a clock. It's 12 hours on the road. So what? 
It, it, I am not going to let my little girl stay in an airport by herself for 12, 14 hours. I'm not going to do it. Not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And, and, and inside me, I'm, I'm hearing this still small voice. God's like, you trained her. You, you prepared her for this moment. You, <coughs> you raised her well. It's okay. Let go. And I'm going, no, I ain't letting go. I, I ain't doing it. <coughs> but that's why we do, excuse me. <coughs> that's why we do what we do. We train. Why? So that we can let go. So we can be. I want her to be all that she can be. We need to be all that we can be. Can you say amen? That means we need to be intentional. I knew this was getting in a little out of hand. When I'm standing, me and Kathy are standing, uh, you know, there's this kind of this guardrail, and we're watching her go through security. It took how long? 35 minutes for her to get through security? We stood for 35 minutes watching her stand in line. And I'm thinking, why are we doing this? She knows why she was doing it, but I'm thinking, dear God, so I am conflicted. And finally, we had to let go. We had to let go, and, and then I made her call us, you know. If she could have called on, in, in the air, I would have let her, but she couldn't. And finally, number four, growth means that we become deeply and securely rooted in good soil. Being rooted is what this is all about. You cannot grow unless you have roots. And let me just put this out there just for a disclaimer. If you keep plucking yourself up and moving, you will never grow. Somewhere you're going to have to put roots down and say, you know what, we're going to work it out right here. We believe God put us here. We believe that this is what God is doing in our life. See, without growth this morning, we'll never become what God wants for us. How many remember in Luke chapter 13, Jesus spoke a parable about a, a fig tree in a garden. If you remember the story, Jesus uh, tells the story that the owner of the, of the garden comes and of the vineyard, he comes and he's seeking fruit from this tree, but he finds none. So he looks to the manager of the vineyard and he says, look at just cut this tree down. Why do we keep it? It's not bearing fruit. But the man says, well, let's wait a second. Let's give it one more year. I'll dig around it and I will fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, we can cut it down. But one of the things that we understand in this is that fruit is important to God. Can you say amen? Now I want you to listen to me because it is who, what we're called to be. We're called to be fruitful. We're called to make impact, lasting impact in the world around us. Last week we talked about hearing the call of the harvest, rising up and going into all the world. In Mark 16, 15, Jesus commissions us to go daily into the world and to the preach the gospel to every creature. But he takes it a little bit further and listen to what Jesus says in, in his following statement in verses 17 and 18. And he says, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Not they might, they will recover. And what is this saying? What is the point of all of this? Is Jesus has commissioned us to go, to bear fruit. He has commissioned us to go change the world. 
Here's my problem. My problem this morning is that the church, by and large, is in neutral. We're not changing the world. Amen. I, I know. I, I, I know. It hits home to me, too. It convicts me. But see, somewhere along the line, God called you. It's not God calling you to look to your neighbor and say, you're the man. No, you are the one. God called you to make a difference. And oftentimes the question is, is how do we get these kinds of things? How do we get this supernatural ability to work? How, how do I get the signs and wonders, this power, this wonderful thing to move in my life, daily in my life? How do I make impact daily? It's by being rooted. It's being rooted in the right thing. Can you say amen? This was so important <coughs> to what Jesus was doing in the first century. Listen to how the world perceived the men and women in the early church. In Acts 17.6, it says, These who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Their epitaph is they're turning the world upside down. They are making a distance. See, the idea of lasting impact is not our idea. It is hardwired into us. We should all have that desire, but it is God's idea. He has called every one of us to make impact. Can you say amen? In John 15, 5, it says this, Jesus speaking. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing. Listen, he bears much fruit, but the key is this idea of abiding. All we have to do is abide. What are you saying? Get rooted. <coughs> the natural outflow of correct rootedness, if I can use that word, is fruit. It's impact. In John 15, 6, it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And listen, here's the promise. And that your fruit remain. That whatever you ask of my Father, in my name, he may give it you. What is he saying? He's saying, look, if you'll just get rooted, if you'll if you allow the roots to go down deep into him, you'll bear fruit. You'll make impact. It will flow. The life of the vine will always flow into the branches as long as they're rooted in it. Come on now. See, fruitfulness in the kingdom is evidence of impact. Listen to me. An impact is the result of a life that is deeply and securely rooted in Him. If you are a believer, if you have given your life to Jesus, if, if you have have believed in faith, then your calling is to be fruitful. And if you are engrafted into the vine, fruitfulness is the inevitable result. Are you hearing me? Christianity, by and large, goes through lots of calisthenics to get things to happen. And in the end, calisthenics become religion. Because it goes through first a good idea, then it goes into some form of being a calisthenic. Then it becomes a tradition. And then it becomes a religion. 
generally without fruit, or at least not the fruit that we want. Jesus said, if you'll get rooted in me, if you'll abide in me, then you will bear fruit. And it will be the kind of fruit that I've called you to, and it will remain. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now listen, not only will that happen, but you will grow. You will grow. Your person will grow. Who you are will grow. Can you say amen? Now I want you to listen to me. I, I, I want to take you down a road. Like I said, this is the introduction. This is where we're headed. See, abundant, enduring fruitfulness <coughs> is the mandate on your life. There's not a Christian in this room that is exempt from that mandate. He told all of us to go into the world to preach the gospel. He told all of us to lay hands on the sick. He told all of us to speak, to love, to serve, didn't he? He said, I want you to go bear fruit. It is the key to seeing cities impacted. It's the key to changing families, shaping culture, and transforming lives including your own. But abundant, enduring fruitfulness only happens, Jesus says, if you remain in Him, if we're rooted in Him. Now, I want to, I want to take a, just a few minutes, if I can, and I want to just share with you some things that may be a little obvious. But I want you to listen, because sometimes it's the obvious things that we lose really quick. I want you to think about seeing the growth cycle of a fruit-bearing plant. Fruit comes at the very end. Fruit is the result of something. It's not the something. And the cycle starts with a seed being planted, then watered. Miraculously, the seed will break open and begin to put down roots. And that root system will continue to grow as the seed forms a shoot and then eventually breaks through the surface and into the air. Both the plant and its root system will keep growing until the plant is strong and mature enough to bear fruit. Sometimes the reason we don't have fruit isn't because necessarily we're not engrafted, but we've just never allowed ourselves to grow. We're not mature enough to bear fruit. In order for the plant to survive, much less bear fruit, the root system has to take up, listen, more space underground than the plant takes up above ground. What does that mean to us? That means what's happening in the secret of your private life is more important than what's happening in your public life. Amen. For those of you that would love to stand in this place and preach or in any other place and preach and have public ministry, you must understand that there's a lot of time in private before you get here. There's a lot of time in the secret place, in the place where no one knows who you are. You live in obscurity. And you say, what's that about? It's about growth. It's the principle of foundation. See, foundation always has to be bigger than the thing that it is supporting. Fruitfulness in your life comes 
about through a similar process. Listen, God plants the seed of his word in you and he waters it with the Holy Spirit and he brings it to life. Then he begins to give you insight into who he created you to be in him and what he's calling you to do in him. He stirs up that desire for you to have lasting impact in the world. And then he starts to build a root system from the seed that's in your heart, your internal world. This is where a lot of people skip. They want to they skip. They get the desire. I heard something interesting the other day. I heard some, it's, there, there's a guy that's going to do on YouTube. He's going to do what's called a master class. He's, he's an a, a, a astrophysicist, and so he's going to talk about how to, to do critical thinking. And this guy's doing an advertisement, and he made one statement. It's not Christian, but his statement was this. He goes, you know enough to think you're right, but not enough to know you're wrong. And I thought, wow, that's powerful. Because that's where most people get to, is we get enough information to think we're right. And then we think we're done, and we walk away, and we think, why isn't this happening? Why am I here? Why am I not here? All these different things. And somewhere what's happened is we've failed to put down the roots that are necessary to do what God has called us to do. Can you say amen? <clears throat> See, your heart this morning is the point of connection with Jesus, the place where you become rooted in your relationship with him. He wants to develop his heart-to-heart connection with you to the point that you are fully united with him, where you think like he thinks, want what he wants, speak like he speaks, and do what he does. And this is what it means to remain in him, to be rooted in him. Only when you and I are rooted in him will we produce the kind of fruit in our lives that will last and we make impact in the world. For you to be all that he has called you to be, God needs you to be bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You have to let him build your root system in the secret soil of your heart. In his book, Power Through Prayer, Ian Bounds says this. He says, the man... God's man or woman is made in the closet. His life and his profound, profoundest convictions were born in his secret communion with God. Listen to what I'm saying. But here lies in the problem. Here's where the problem is. Because many of us today embrace superficiality. We like easy. We like simple. Now, don't get me wrong. I think if we can make something simple, we should. But listen to me. Being simple should never be an excuse for not being mature. Are you hearing me? So the problem is, is for a lot of Christians, they, they never allow their roots to go down. They've been around a long time been saved, they've been in church, they've done all that, but they've never really had that intentional thing that says, you know what, God, I'm going to allow whatever you do in my life to drive those roots deep down inside. To really drive those roots deep. And as a result, what happens 
in many cases we become weak and we become stunted in our growth and now listen i'm not coming against you i'm not I, I i'm not bringing condemnation i'm not saying you're a bad guy i'm not saying none of that i'm simply saying that because our root system <coughs> is oftentimes overlooked we forget its importance and we forget what that's all about and so what ends up happening, the result is the past robs us of our future. We are bound to habitual sins that never seem to end. We're held captive by negative thoughts that torment our mind. We're dominated by irrational feelings that violate every emotion. We possess destructive behaviors that work against our lives. And we're stuck in a cycle of dysfunction that greatly limits our life. Literally, we're unable to control these areas of our life. We keep <coughs> falling prey to it over and over again. This has not nor has ever been the plan of God for our lives. This is what God, God's not about this. Listen, I, 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 the reason I'm saying this today, listen, I, I, I love this church and I love you. But I've been around a while and I can, I, and, and in that, there's an ability for me to get real honest with myself. Sometimes I probably am too honest. I'm probably too hard on myself. But the reality is I take stock. I, I, I stop and say, wait a second. Let me take a look. Why is this happening? I get away from the emotion of it and go, why is this happening? Now I can blame you, and sometimes I have. <coughs> I can blame people I work with, and I have. I can blame God. And I have. I can blame my mom and dad. And I have. I can blame Kathy. And I have. But at the end of the day, when I'm done blaming everybody and, and distilling it down, I come back to me. And God gently and graciously and mercifully says, you're the man. There's one common denominator in all these things. You it. You're the problem. <clears throat> and as I look around and as I, man, as I speak to people, I could see that people are stuck. We're stuck. We shouldn't be stuck. Look at, listen to me. <laughs> Hang on, just listen. We have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords living in us. We have the Holy Spirit who takes up residence on us. We have been given the right to use his name. We have been given great and precious promises in his word. We have weapons that are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to pulling down strongholds. We have been given the word itself, who is Jesus. The Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Amen? We've been given that. Why then do we struggle? Why are we not more? Now, I'm not saying, look at struggle doesn't end. That's part of life. Struggle continues. But we do not have to be victim of that struggle. When struggles happen, when things take place, we should be able to deal with it quickly and efficiently. Moving through this earth, not responding to our circumstances, but changing them. What is making the difference? <coughs> what changes? 
those who are rooted and who those who aren't. I'd like to tell you that it's a lot more complicated than that. But if you're not engrafted in the vine, then the life of the vine will not flow. And if you have something hindering that graft, it will prevent the life of the vine. His promise, your leaf will not wither. You will prosper in everything you do. Those are not my words. Those are his. What's the problem? The problem is we've ignored the roots. We have not valued the root system as importantly as it should. And, and you know, this is what Jesus dealt with. When Jesus told the story of the parable of the, so, the seer, so, seed and the sower, when he told that parable, that's what he was dealing with. He said, look at, he goes, some seed was sown on the wayside. What's the wayside? It's very hard ground. There's, you, you, you can't penetrate it. Everything that hits it bounces off it. And when the seed is, is sown on the way ground, it, doesn't, it, it just stays in its dormant state. And the enemy comes in quickly and he steals the seed that was sown. See, there's some Christians that over the years we've, we've become so hard. Our hearts are, we, we haven't made, we, 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 we've neglected our heart and we become hard. And when the seed comes, it just, it bounces off. It doesn't ever take root. And the seed is stolen before it ever has a chance to gain root. Then he said, some seed is sown in stony places. That means the, the roots go down quick, but they don't go down deep. <clears throat> so in other words, they have no staying power. And so when the sun comes out, when there's the need for endurance, they, they, they quickly grow, they're excited, they're, oh yeah, let's, take, let's go for Jesus. And next week they're gone. Why? The roots were shallow. They had no depth to them. Then there's seed that was sown among the thorns. And, and you know what the thorns are? It's all those things that we've left undone. We've just, we just haven't taken the time to deal with the stuff that's in the soil of our life. We've left it there. Well, well you know, it's okay. It don't matter. It's just the way I am. And, and see, and what the problem is, is we normalize this stuff. We, we say things like, well, just accept me for who I am. I do. It's okay not to be Okay. As long as you know it's not okay to stay that way. Are you hearing me? See, it goes all the way back. I mean, you, you can trace this thought throughout Scripture. If you go all the way back to what, 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 what the Lord told the children of Israel, he says, you've got to drive them all out. He says, otherwise, what you leave in the land, they will be thorns in your eyes and pricks in your side. In other words, they will be an irritant. They will irritate you. And that's what's happening. We, we leave things and, and the roots go down, but those things begin to choke out the life of the root. But then he says there's seed that goes into well-prepared ground. And he says and that, though that seed begins to grow. A root begins to go down and then soon there's 30, 60, and 100 fold fruitfulness. Why? Because of a prepared heart. See, our roots and what they are planted in are so very important to our Christian walk. Not only do our roots determine the quality and the quantity of our fruitfulness, but roots keep us upright and stable. 
How many remember Matthew chapter 7, verse 24? We know the story. It'll be on the screen, but I'm not going to read it. it. But it basically tells us, Jesus says, if you obey the things that I say, then you'll be like a guy that builds his house upon a rock. He says, I know it's a different analogy, but it's the same principle. There's something solid this, that has a foundation that's planted on something stable. And when the wind came and the rain beat against the house and the storm raged, it was able to stand. But the guy that did not build upon the rock, he built on sand. He didn't pay attention. He could just take it or leave it. It's like, well, that's up to interpretation. No, there's, somewhere there's no private interpretation of the word of God. We've got to get a hold of this and we've got to say, God, what are you saying? Lord, what do you want me to do? And when we do that, we follow. Then we can stand the storm. We can be stable and upright. Then in Ephesians, he, it's the roots also deliver precious nourishments. I am going to read this one. Listen, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. It says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, depth, height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. When we are rooted in him, we are filled with all the fullness of God. It's about being rooted. See, David, church, was a man who developed (coughs) a deep system of roots. And it took two decades of process and preparation. This is something that this generation, this society does not, we don't like preparation. We don't, we don't like waiting around. We, we, want, we like microwave Christianity. We like it now. But God did something in David. And the main thing that David was rooted in was a deep trust in him. And I'm just, just for the sake of mention, I would just want to mention this as we begin to close this sermon. I want you to listen to me. For God to establish what David was going to be. And, you know, David had some pretty lasting fruit. We're still talking about him. Jesus sat on the throne of King David. <laughs> That's pretty powerful. That's pretty fruitful. Jesus was known as the son of David. (laughs) That's pretty powerful. So what did God do? Well, in this secret place, the Bible says that the first soil that God dealt with in his life was the soil of intimacy. Church, let me tell you something. Our relationship with God is paramount. We cannot take it or leave it. We, We have got to stop Um, convincing ourselves that we have a relationship when we don't. David built a relationship with God in prayer and in worship and radical dependence on him. He said, how do you know that? He He fought private battles. See, the battle with the lion and the bear, that was private. Nobody saw that. So when it came time to fight the battle in public with Goliath, are you hearing what I'm saying? Do you notice there was two battles for the one? What are you saying? I'm saying that God developed something in the secret place of his life. Although Moses wrote Psalm 91, the words reveal 
David's heart in the first two verses. In Psalm 91, 1 and 2, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. So the first place we're developed is in the soil of intimacy. This relationship. Relationship. There's so many things on the outside that we're trying to do that we neglect the inside. The second soil is the soil of serving. He served his father. He served his brothers. He served King Saul. David always took the posture of humility that positioned him to receive God's grace. Think about it, David was anointed king some 10, 12 years before he ever sat on the throne. He was the legitimate anointed king living in a cave. That's hard for us, it's hard for me. Let's forget us, let me just talk about me. It's hard for me. And the reason is, is because I like things being fair. If you're going to anoint me, then get me into the chair. You know what I mean? (laughs) That makes sense. Does that make sense to you? (laughs) Meanwhile, he has to run from his life, for his life. And and then the guys that attached them, you know what they were. You know what they were known as. They were the broken, the in debt, the disillusioned, the discouraged. That was his crew. (sighs) Really, some king I am. But in that, he learned to serve. He learned to serve. It's in the soil of serving. The third soil that. David's roots grew into as the soil of community. (coughs) See, David could have been an island. He could have been a one-man band. But it was because of those men that attached their life to him that he learned how to partner. He learned that he needed a community. He learned that he needed others to link arms with. And it was those roots that went down that allowed him to weather some of the storms in his future. You know, as I bring this to a close today, I, I, I was thinking about this and I was thinking, you know, Lord, what, what is it that you're trying to, to say to us? What is it that you're, you're trying to teach us? God wants to give us a lot. But the question is, do we have the roots that can handle it? Do we have the roots that can handle it? Took David 20 years, took Moses 40, took Jesus 30 years. What was Jesus doing for those 30 years? He was serving his father. He was being obedient to his mom and dad. Occasionally he'd go to the temple and teach the Pharisees a thing or two. What was Moses doing on the backside of the desert? He was watching a bunch of sheep. God says, You're, you know, it's kind of like wax on, wax off. You remember, does anybody remember Crowdy Kid? 
Do you, do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember when in that scene in that movie, he he goes, I, I I want you to wax the car. And then you know, and he's getting mad because you know he waxed the car, he sands his deck, he does all this stuff, and finally he he looks at him and goes, All you got me doing is chores, man. I'm here fighting for my life. I wanted you to teach me how to defend myself, and you got me doing your yard work. And then the master looks at him and goes, he, he, he throws a punch and he goes, show me, wax the car, and he whack, he blocked it. And then he says, show me, sand the deck. And he, oh my gosh, he had it. See, the master is the master for a reason. He knows what he's doing. He knows. I don't like it. I, I'll go on record. I don't like it. And God goes, so what? It's good for you. I got big plans for you. I got, I got stuff I want to put on you that if you don't get these roots down, you ain't going to hold it. And I need you to hold it. <coughs> So church, that's where we're going. We got to make a decision. God wants to do great things. But the question is, do we have the roots for it? Do we have the roots? Oh, church. God is so good to us. He is so good. I'm glad he's a good father. I'm glad that he brings this stuff to our attention. And he teaches us gently, sometimes a little more aggressively. But he's teaching us. And I, I'm excited about what the next few weeks, maybe month or so, is going to bring out. Because I'm on this journey with you. And I believe he's taking us somewhere. Amen. I believe he wants to change our lives. So would you bow your head with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you for your abundance. We thank you for your grace and your goodness. Father, we thank you that you have revealed these things to us, God, that you've led us in this direction. Lord, we ask that you help us. Teach us, God, to grow deep roots. God, we pray that you would breathe, God, upon them. Lord, the soil of intimacy, service, and community. Help us, God. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I love you. I appreciate you. Why don't you stand to your feet all across this place? We're going to release you. Our prayer team is coming up. If you have a need of any kind, come on up. Let them pray for you. Let them minister to you. God bless you. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.